Hey, we want to welcome you to Let's Talk About It, and I'm personally very excited for this session. Um, you're going to be hearing from Damian Giacchino. He's one of the speakers for Moral Revolution. He travels with us and, and for us and creates content. He's the founder of a conference called Delta, and he does such a phenomenal job of unpacking dating. Uh, if you're a young adult or a high school student, this is going to be a very, very critical podcast for you. We're excited for you to dive into it. We hope you enjoy. Well, I'm going to jump right into it. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead or your iPhones or whatever your electronic device that you use. I'm going to be reading out of the passage, Proverbs 24, uh, verses 3 through 4, before I share my sermon topic. I, they got it already, so it's all good. But I'm going to go ahead and uh, read. It says, Proverbs 24, verse 3 through 4, it says, through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a life, a home, a family is built. Somebody say amen. amen. Uh, just a disclaimer, before you date somebody, date wisdom. Amen. How about, how about date some wisdom? And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge, its rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. What I want to talk to us from, from the topic today is... Who are you building your house with? Talk to your neighbor to the left and right. Say, who are you building your house with? Shout out, Shamar, Vanika. Hey, y'all. Who are you building your house with? Well, Father, we just thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for the opportunity to, to minister to your people, Lord. I just ask that uh, you increase in me as I decrease. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you use me, touch my vocal cords, think through me, help me to articulate myself with simplicity and clarity so that every person in this room can receive the word on good ground. Father, I declare deaf ears able to hear, hardened hearts able to receive, and blind eyes ready to receive and see, Father. So we come against every satanic and diabolical assignment that will try to stop the forward progress of this word. We declare that you are already a defeated enemy in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody say amen. Now, that word house in the Bible can have several meanings. Um, in some passages, it means tent. It means tabernacle, a place where God dwells. But the way I want to use this word house is referring to generations. Somebody say generations. We see a passage in the Bible where Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Meaning, as for me and my family, as for as far as me and the generations coming out of me, we are going to serve the Lord. Amen. And there's another passage in Matthew 7. I'm going to just reference it where it says that if uh, you adhere to God's teachings, it is likened to a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. But then it talks about the foolish man builds his house upon sand. Do you know why it is foolish to build your house on sand? I'm sure you do, but I want to enlighten you on another reason why it's foolish. Because sand is really just bits and pieces of rocks. It's small particles of rocks. So when you build your life on sand, what you're doing is you're building your life on bits and pieces of truth. Not the full counsel of the word of God. Amen. God wants you to build your life on the rock, not bits and pieces of the rock, not bits and pieces of the word, not bits and pieces of his promises. He wants you to build your life on the full counsel of the word of God. Somebody say amen in here, please. So God says when you build your house upon the rock, what is the rock? Jesus Christ. 
When you build your house on Jesus, when you build your life, your marriage, the way you do relationships on Jesus, you are likened to a wise man. Now, when we talk about building, this is very important because when it comes to relationships, we build in stages, but we arrive in phases. See, some people are trying to arrive in the phase of marriage, but you ain't building the stage of singleness. Some people are trying to arrive in the phase of fiance and boyfriend and girlfriend, but you ain't built in a level of friendship. And when we don't build in stages, we arrive in wrong phases, counterfeit phases. That's why we have to understand that relationships, intimacy, intimacy, you see, intimacy should be dispersed in levels, not given right away. Somebody needed to hear that because you met somebody yesterday and they're your best friend today. Ooh, Jesus. (laughs) You met somebody yesterday and now you're already letting them see your birthday suit. Anybody know what the birthday suit is? (laughs) But intimacy should be preceded by commitment. For every level of intimacy we go, there should be an established commitment. But I feel like this generation, or at least my generation, I feel like sometimes we, we uh, overpromise and underdeliver. We treat relationships like credit. Just give us credit now, we'll pay for it later. Give us intimacy now, we'll pay for it later. No, 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 no. That is the way the world does relationships. In fact, if you are a believer, the way you do relationships should be different from the world. The issue is you allow God to save your soul, but you didn't allow God to save you in principles. You still got those old carnal principles. You're trying to, you're trying to date wrong, but marry right. You can't date wrong and marry right. You can't have godly results using worldly principles. You can't use godly results or you can't have godly results or worldly principles. Not only does God want to save your soul, he wants to save your principles. He wants to save the way you look at life. He wants to introduce you to the principles of God. See, the world has the principles sometimes, but they don't have the presence. And the the Christians sometimes have the presence, but they don't have the principles. When we take the presence of God and we marry it with the principles of God, guess what? We now have a plan of God. And where there's a plan, there is strategy. And where there is strategy, you need a daily walk with the Lord. See, if I'm going to get the coordinates of God, I need to spend time with him. I need to make sure that I get to learn the master builder, Jesus Christ, the presence of God, before I try to build with somebody else. See, we are trying to build horizontally before we have an encounter with the master builder vertically. This is why the wisest man in the Bible who wrote arguably the most sexual central book of the Bible, King Solomon, he says, don't awaken love before it's time. Tell your neighbor, say, don't awaken love too early. Shameless plug. (laughs) Because if you in this love that Solomon is talking about, he's not talking about a a, a storge love, which is a family bond. He's not talking about a a, a filial love, which is a brotherly love. He's not even talking about agape love, which is God's divine love. When he say don't awaken love too early, he's talking about an erotic love, eros. Because if you awaken the romantic eros love too early, you will misdiagnose love and you would, you would outsource love to thrills, impulse behavior, and cheap feelings. And love is more than a feeling. Love is a person. Love is Jesus. Love is built upon the rock. So if I don't encounter love on a vertical level, I'll keep misdiagnosing love on a horizontal level. 
Could it be that your relationships, your dating are not ending well? It's because you haven't encountered love first. See, God never intended for us to awaken romance before we awaken agape. When you don't awaken agape and you try to go to romance, you will have a, a disaster. And it's not about can they keep you company, it's can they cover you well. Can they cover you well? You know, you know uh, uh, sometimes we get into relationships because we have chemistry and they, and, and they keep us company. But chemistry and company don't mean nothing if they don't have character and a calling in the presence of God on their lives. So Psalms 127 and 1 says, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards a city, the watchman keeps it awake in vain. If we don't allow the Lord to be a part of our relationship, we are building in vain. One of the most detrimental things to your purpose and destiny. I officiate weddings all the time. I do premarital counsel. I counsel couples, Stacy and I. And one of the things that I always see that detours and shifts someone in their purpose towards God is marrying the wrong person. Oh, it got quiet on that one. <laughs> One of the most important decisions you're going to make outside of Jesus is choosing who you are going to be married to. Unless you got the call to be single. Ask your neighbor, do you got the call? Say, you got the call to be single? Most people are like, I don't got the call. I knew I didn't have the call. <laughs> for, for real, we know we ain't got the call. But when you start building outside of God's blueprint and outside of God's plan, we can see what happens by looking at the story of Abraham. God had put a strategy. God had put a plan in motion. He said that I was going to make you a father of many nations. God was giving him a kid out of covenant, but Abraham decided to build or do something his way, and he invited unnecessary conflict and warfare in his life. See, when you build with the wrong person, you invite wrong conflict. You invite unnecessary warfare in your life. And can I just hit the pause button on my message and go on a tangent? Sometimes it ain't Satan's fault. You're just building with the wrong person. It's easier. Check this out. It's easier to blame Satan because then you don't have to take accountability. It's easy to blame Satan because then you don't have to take ownership. It's easy to blame Satan because you don't have to learn how to surrender. You don't have to learn how to trust. You don't have to learn how to forgive. You don't have to learn how to allow other people to speak into your life and say, hey, you're not ready yet. But when you outsource blame to Satan, you stay in a season that you should have outgrown. And you step out of that season by owning it, repenting from it, and turning away from it. I think somebody needs some deliverance right now and stop blaming Satan for some of the things you did. You are a free moral agent. God has given you a will. But when you think your filler is more stronger than your chooser, you'll fill your way into decisions. But it's not about filling. It's about choosing. Jesus didn't just redeem us from death, hell, and destruction. He also redeemed us in our willpower by choosing our will to surrender back to the will of God. How do we know this? Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was praying, the Bible says it was as great drops of blood was coming from his mind. What was he doing? He's redeeming mankind's will back to God's will. So the next time you feel like you can't choose it, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You can choose it. You just may, lie. You may not feel it. But we are not called fillers. We're called believers. Should I say that again? We are not called fillers. We are called believers. 
So some things we have to do it by faith. Say that with me. By what? Faith. By faith. Sometimes I have to make a decision by faith. Sometimes I have to break up with someone by faith. Sometimes I have to ask for forgiveness and trust that God's forgiveness is going to touch me and change me. By faith. So when I think about what God gave us before he gave us romance, this is super important. Tell your neighbor this is important. Take notes. Before God gave us romance, we see it. If you ever want to know in, uh, God's original tent for humanity, we look in the first few chapters of Genesis. In Genesis, when God created Adam, before he brought Eve, he established a few things in Adam's life. Now, this is not just for men. This is a principle for all of humanity because Adam was the first human being and he's representing all of humanity. So before romance, one of the first things that God did was make sure Adam or Adam and Eve that man was made in his image. Image, character, resemblance. Before you have romance, you need to make sure you have the character of God. You need to make sure you have the image of God. You need to make sure you resemble God. Because when someone puts pressure on you to do something that's outside of God, you are sourced in the image of God. And therefore, you can resist the enemy and you can stay true to who you are called to be. And the true you is not the you you feel. The true you is the you in Jesus Christ. It's the you in the word. I don't always feel like honoring my wife, but I choose to do it because I'm made in the image of God. I don't always feel like giving, but I choose to do it because that is a part of my inheritance. That is the image in which I was created to be. So the next thing that God gave us, which to me, I love this part, is he gave Adam presence. He put him in the garden. He put him in the, in the garden. And, and here's a distinction that I have to make. Adam was alone, but he wasn't lonely. Oh, Jesus, somebody needs to hear this. See, you haven't delineated or distinguished between loneliness and being alone for a season so God can show you who he is. In fact, God says you are never alone. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So I should never date or get in romance out of loneliness. I should step into a relationship out of being alone with God and getting his image, his presence, and his purpose, and then I'm ready. But what's happening is we ain't spent enough time in the garden alone. We ain't spent enough time in the presence of God alone. And now we're trying to outsource what we get to divinity, from divinity to humanity. There's things humanity can't give you that only divinity can give you. So there is a big difference between being alone for a season than being lonely. I've seen some people make some bad decisions out of loneliness. I've seen some people make uh, uh, stay in abusive relationships out of loneliness. I've seen people get cheated on over and over out of loneliness because they didn't know the image in which they were created to be and that their father had something better for them. And you know what? In fact, when people tell me they're lonely, I, you know, I don't say it this way, but in my mind, I'm like, you lack, you, you lack a few things. You lack perspective. You lack because in your single season, it is a development season in your in your single season. God is teaching you how to be whole so that you don't come half because he wants two whole people coming together. No, 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 no. You, you, you're not marrying for somebody to complete you. You are completed in Christ Jesus. You are marrying because someone compliments your purpose and destiny. You are not looking for a soulmate. You're looking for a destiny, destiny mate. I heard a preacher said, how can somebody be your soulmate if they never died for your soul? 
Jesus is my soulmate. And then from my relationship with Jesus, he shows me who I partner with, who I bond my soul with. Jesus was my soulmate first, introduced me to Stacy, and now we are destiny mates. And we need, to, we need to do some research because that term soulmate is from Egyptian and Greek mythology. And it comes from the perspective that two people were one. The two people had one soul and they were split into twos because they offended the gods. And the gods sent them to different parts of the world. And now they are forever looking for their lost soulmates. I'm not looking for my lost soulmate because I was never lost. Jesus found me. Amen. <laughs> So the next thing, image, presence, the next thing we see that Adam gets before romance is purpose. Ladies, I need you to hear me on this one. Fellas, I'm going pick, pick to pick on you a little bit. If he doesn't have purpose, he will abuse you. He may not abuse you physically. He may not abuse you in a, in a violent way, but he may not know how to serve you. Because I, I'm in a relationship with my mom. This is, this is not a dictatorship. We are co-equals in the kingdom of God. So because I have purpose, I know what her purpose is. Because in my purpose, I was figuring out what was the purpose of a woman. Amen. And in that, I know how to serve my wife. See, when he doesn't have purpose, he's childish. When he doesn't have purpose, he takes reckless pursuits. When he doesn't have purpose, he blinds experiments with his life. This is why he needs purpose, amen? And the same thing, ladies, you need purpose. And your purpose is more than just being on somebody's arm. Your purpose is more than just being an accessory. Your purpose is more than just being cute, having it all together. Now, God got way more for you, amen? You can be cute, you can be sexy, and you can be powerful. Amen? How do I know? Because my wife is all of those things. So I want to talk about the five stages of building towards a godly marriage. This is important, the five stages. Now, before I go into the first stage, I don't want to be super spiritual and uh, overlook something that is extremely important. And I'll, I'll explain it this way. Recently, my wife and I, we bought a house, right? But before we decide to make a down payment, make the investment on the house, we first were, we looked at the model version of the house. We were attracted to it. We, we liked the way it looked. And then once we saw that it was fitting for us and our purpose, then we made the investment to build that house. Amen. And I believe uh, it's similar when it comes to relationships. Uh, you, you know, somebody says something to me that I completely disagree with. It doesn't matter if you're not attracted to them. You can learn to love them. Satan is a lie. I'm not trying to learn to love somebody on a romantic level that I'm not attracted to. You mean the God of the universe can't get me somebody of purpose that love God and that I'm attracted to? I told that person, your God is small. My God is big. And then I came across Proverbs. That wise King Solomon. He says, may your wife's breast captivate you all the days of your life. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so for me, I got a powerful woman and a fine woman. You can have both. You don't have to compromise. There are some non-negotiables, right? And we can talk about that a little bit later. But before I build on a romantic level, I have to be attracted to the person I'm building with. 
Because if you're not attracted to the person you're building with, what it could be is out of loneliness, you are romanticizing someone who should have stayed a friend. But because you're lonely, you took somebody out of the friend zone, put them into the romantic zone, and now you messed up a friendship. Who am I speaking in here today to? I've done that. Where out of loneliness, I took a perfectly good friend. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not that attracted to them, but, you know, I can learn to love them. And guess what? You end up messing up a good friendship. So we, we got to make sure that we don't romanticize friendships. So we need to be attracted. Tell your neighbor, say you need to be attracted to the person you're pursuing. No, you can't learn to be attracted to them. You don't you learn to love them. No, you should be attracted to them. In fact, me and my wife, we consummated our marriage on our honeymoon, but it was, ex- it was extremely hard to keep my hands off of her in terms of sexually because I was attracted to her. When somebody's been dating for two years and they're like, oh, we don't have no temptation at all, I'm like, maybe attraction is playing too little of a role <laughs> because the Bible says that flee you for lust. In other words, there's something in us that when we're attracted to somebody, we want to pursue that. So if you're not attracted to someone and you're not pursuing that person, could it be you put somebody in a romantic zone that should have stayed in a friend zone? Oh, Jesus. So we, we got that out the way, right? You got to be attracted to them. So the next stage or the first stage that you build with someone is on a spiritual level. I'm so tired of seeing young adults serve God and be on fire for the Lord and compromise for somebody that is good but not godly. If you think about it, it was good that a Lord, Adam and Eve, out of the garden. Because the Bible says there is a way to a man that seems right, but in the end it leads to destruction. Satan is not going to show up as a, hey, I'm an obvious temptation, don't choose me. He's going to show up in the way of good, but not God. No, I don't, I don't, I don't pick somebody because they're a good man. I don't pick somebody because they're a good woman. I choose to pursue a, a, a getting to know you because you are a godly man. You are a godly woman. It is bigger than us because check this out. When the parents play, oftentimes the children have to pay. See, I was a teenage dad. I was playing, and then therefore I brought a son into this world. And my son is an amazing young adult. He'll be 20 in October. He goes to UC Irvine. He's studying kinesiology. But because I decided to play at 16 and 17, there's still some emotional insecurities that he has because he couldn't grow up in a full-parent household. He had to grow up in a blended household. Now, the enemy tried to make it for bad, but God turned it to good. But there's still a consequence for having a child out of wedlock. God redeemed it. He's using it. And God is going to bless them. However, when the parents play, the kids often have to pay. And the kids shouldn't be paying for none of your mistakes. In fact, you should be leaving them an inheritance, not just a financial inheritance, but a relational inheritance, an emotional inheritance, the presence of God inheritance. You should have prophetic words. They should be in a a two-parent household where you can get prayed over and loved over and all that different type of stuff. So there has to be a spiritual connection because if the need to a relationship is love and God is love and they don't believe in my God or believe in our God, then where are they deriving their definition of love from? This is super important because if your definition of love is found outside of the word, then 
You may have some principles, but you're going to miss it in some areas. And those areas that you miss it can be a, a catastrophic area that you're missing it that can affect you and the family. And this we have to understand that love is not a temporal concept that derives from man. Love is an eternal quality that originates with God. Oh, Jesus, I felt heaven on that one. Love is not a temporal concept that derives from man. Love is an eternal quality that originates with God. And the Bible that I read says in Proverbs, hell and destruction are never full. So are the desires of man. And if you don't believe that God is love, then check this out. You'll have desires that never end, but you don't have a God. Excuse me. You have a you have desires that are never satisfied, but you're not connecting to a God that's never ending, which means you're going to fill your heart with toys. You're going to fill your heart with adventure. You're going to fill your heart with a lot of emotional things, but you won't fill it with the, the solid thing. So if my heart is ever wanting and ever uh, uh, never satisfied, it's going to take a never satisfying heart to connect to a never ending God. And when that never ending God comes in this never satisfied heart, therefore, I can love and be content. I can I can contend and content. Oh, that's a word for somebody. I can contend for the things of God. But when I don't have it, I can be content with God. Oh, Jesus, I can be I can contend for the things of God. But I can also be content with what I have in God. Can I get an amen? amen. So you guys are with me. Um, so I, I also want to go to the next stage, the next one. So we, we want to establish a spiritual connection. Let me give you a few more indications of what a spiritual connection is. They, they should be uh, active in the church. They should be connected to a small group. They should have a pastor and a mentor. You know, hey, I, I might be old school, but you know what I had to do before I married my wife? I had to go to my pastor and ask permission. Oh, I rebuke the spirit of pride in this room right now. You ain't gonna tell. I ain't asking nobody. I'm a grown man. See, I, I told my kid, hey, if you're gonna take the card and say you're gonna, if you're gonna use that weapon and say I'm grown and I can make my own decision, make sure you carry that same energy when the consequence of that decision comes as well. Amen. So, so it, it's, here it is. Submission is not about control. Submission is about promotion. When I submit myself to a pastor, to a leader, to a, a, a couple, uh, and, and I'm not yet married, it's not that they are taking life from me. God is using that to add life to me. Oh, oh, Jesus, check this out. One man's rebellion brought sin and calamity to all of the world, but one man's submission brought life back to the whole world. Oh, Jesus. I rebuke that spirit of rebellion. That is rooted in pride. That is rooted in self-sufficiency. No, God don't want you to be self-sufficient. He wants you to be interdependent. You, no, stop thinking you don't need people. You don't need nobody to speak into your life. No, you definitely need somebody to speak into your life. Because your life is where it's at now because you don't let nobody speak into your life. So I came to my pastor and I was like, Pastor. <laughs> Stacy. And he gave me that look like, oh, here we go. I told him, I was like, I would like to pursue your daughter because that's our spiritual parents. He asked me what my intention was. And I said, my intentions is to marry her because I don't, as Christians, we don't date for recreation. We don't date for fun. We date for the intentions of marriage. 
See, when you date for recreation and you casually date, there will always be a casualty from that date because you casually start doing things you shouldn't have been casually doing. <laughs> so so I, I date for the intentions of marriage, and there's a tension in dating. The tension is we're, we're growing to be more than friends but less than lovers. We're more than friends because we're, we're grabbing intimacy beyond the platonic level. But we're less than lovers because covenant has not came in place yet. There has not been a ceremony. There has not been a, a wedding. So therefore, I'm not grabbing things that don't belong to me because she still belongs to God. He still belongs to God. So I went to my pastor and we got pre, not pre-engagement or pre-marital, we got pre-engagement counseling. I think we need counseling before we buy the ring and say, I do. Because sometimes we get it all the time where people are like, can you marry us? And I'm like, I'll ask them a few questions. We about to get married in a month. I'm like, your mind is already made up. Right? You should get the counseling before you buy the ring. Tell your neighbor, get the counseling before you buy the ring. You know, I know it's kind of intimidating to go to pre-engagement counseling, but what pre-engagement counseling should do is confirm and solidify that you guys are of the Lord. My premarital counseling with my spouse and with my pastor didn't make us go apart. It proved that God was in it. If you got to hide your relationship from your parents, if you got to hide your relationship from your pastor, and if you got to hide your relationship from your friends, then chances are you shouldn't even be in that relationship. And just like friends don't let friends drink and drive, friends don't let friends date by themselves. Get some accountability. So we build on a soul level. This is super important because what is the soul? The soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotion, and the personality. The mind, the will, and the emotion, or excuse me, the mind, the will, and our emotion, and our personality. The soul is very important because once we establish there's a spiritual connection, now I need to see if we relate on a soul level, a mind level. Do we, are, we, are we on the same wavelength intellectually? Do we have similarities? Do we, do we have chemistry? Chemistry is important. Do we have chemistry? Do we get along? You, you know, do, uh, uh, do I know, do I know your, your rhythm? Do I know your life goals? Is, is our life headed in the same direction? But this, is a, this stage is not to be rushed. The spiritual stage is where you establish yourself as friends. And the soul stage is you're still friends, but you're kind of interested. You, 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 you thinking about giving, you thinking about writing them a note and say, will you be my boyfriend? Check yes or check no. <laughs> You're thinking about, but you got you to gotta slow down in this stage because in this stage, it is very dangerous. And a lot of people like to grab more intimacy before there's an, a commitment. See, what happens when you start compromising to keep the relationship, you'll eventually lose it because what you compromise to keep, you'll always lose. Amen. So a soul level, I want to get through this quickly. Um, the next level, uh, let, let me also identify this. In the soul level, these are not reasons to progress in the relationship. Sometimes when people are building a friendship that they're interested in dating, sometimes life difficulties will try to bring them together. Sometimes sexual temptations. You know what? I'm tempted, so let me just now make them my boyfriend or girlfriend. I'd rather have sex with one person than not have sex at all. 
Amen. <laughs> Usually when it gets quiet, I dig in a little bit deeper, but, I, but, but my time. Um, another, th- another reason why it ain't important to, to, to understand this before you progress in a dating relationship, eagerness. Eagerness, life difficulties, sexual temptation, eagerness. These are not good enough reasons to go from a perfectly good friend and now say, I want to date them. No, 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 no. The next thing that is not good is loneliness and emotional neediness. This is important because if somebody is emotionally needy, if you just met and they're already mad because you don't call them back and you have a full-time job and you can't call them back in an hour. They called you at 9 o'clock, and then you got three voicemails. It's 10 o'clock, and I haven't got a call back from you yet. (laughs) Emotional neediness. Oftentimes, when somebody is emotionally needy, it means they have not yet dealt with their rejection issues. And when you have not dealt with your rejection issues, rejection makes truth be rearranged. Now, when people are honest, when people are communicating truth and who they are authentically, who, who they are authentically, it gets rearranged. And it now looks like a, a, an insecure conversation with, your, with yourself. They don't like me. Did I do something wrong? Why they didn't call me back? Because you didn't dealt, deal with that rejection issue. I wish I can go deeper on that. And the next phase is character. See, once we establish a spiritual connection... And now we agree and we are, um, we have similarities, we connect on interests, we, we've been patient, we tagged in our mentors, we tagged our pastors in, and we're just friends, but we are very interested. The next stage is dating. This is where you are discerning their character. Now, let me just give you a definition from Dr. Miles Moreau what dating is. Dating is simply Setting aside recreational time to get to know someone's character to discern if they could be potentially a life partner. I know that's a mouthful. Let me say that. Is my time on the right? Is that? Cool. All right. I just want to make sure I didn't go over. I, 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 come, I come from the church. When you go over, you will never preach again. <laughs> so I, I got that inbreded into me. Um, so, so where was I at? Character. So dating is simply setting aside recreational time to get to know someone's character to discern if they have the potential to be a life partner. This is super important because I need to figure out how you respond, not just in one season. Anybody can love you well in one season, but can they love you well in all seasons? Can they love you well in the summer? Can they love you well in the winter? Can they love you well in the spring? Can they love you well in the winter? Oftentimes, they love us well in one season, but we haven't seen the other seasons, and we make a lifelong decision of one season where we needed to see other seasons of how they loved us. You need to see how they react when they are mad. You need to see how they react in conflict, and and there's something you should be doing with your lips in this season. Y'all about to be mad at me because it ain't kissing. <laughs> you should be learning communication. You should be learning communication. In fact, there's a reason why when I marry someone or officiate a wedding, I say, now you may kiss the bride. I didn't do that, but, <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is if you can hold off on inviting the the romance. Now, I'm not trying to make a legalistic law and say don't kiss or nothing, but I'm going to give you an old school saying that my pastor told me. Kissing is just upstairs shopping for downstairs merchandise. That's one of them black pastor sayings. (laughs) 
as you can tell, I came from a black church. <laughs> so so I, I'm, I'm doing less kissing with my lips and I'm doing more communicating with my lips. And I'm going beyond, there's five levels of communication, and I'm going beyond a few levels that are superficial. And let me just explain the five levels real, real quick. There's the cliche level. How you doing? I'm blessed and I'm highly favored, right? Very cliche. There's the facts level. How are you doing? I'm not doing so well. There's the opinion level. Hey, I didn't like that. But the level to help progress from dating to exclusively dating, you have to be well at communicating feelings and needs. A lot of people don't know how to communicate needs. They only know how to communicate when their needs don't get met. And then they get frustrated. But what you have to learn how to do in this stage is learn how to communicate. What you and this person that you're dating may not yet be exclusive. You're learning to see if they respond to your needs. Because fear makes demands, but love makes requests. And when I make a loving request of my needs, I get a chance to watch and see how you respond to my needs. Because if you respond to my godly, healthy needs, what does that do? That breeds or builds trust. You show me that you are a trustworthy person because when I lay a legitimate need, not a, not a sinful, not an unhealthy need, but a legitimate need, you respond to it. And what that is showing me is you could be assigned to my life. Can I get an amen? amen. The next level is core values. Once we connect on a spiritual level, and then we connect on a soul level, and now we connect because we both have similar character. We don't have character flaws that should cause us to abort the relationship. There may not be perfection, but there should be a healthy uh, chemistry. There should be healthy characteristics that this person has good character. Then we need to see if we have similar core values. The Bible says right here in Amos, did I, did I say that right? <laughs> Can two walk together unless they agree? Now, one of the things that I learned about being married, we don't have to agree on methods, but we can agree on values. That, that's, good, that's good right there. Because if you marry methods, methods uh, bring forth an outcome. But if I have a value and she has a value and our methods is different, but we can arrive at the same outcome, then that is a petty argument. And you can't be petty and have peace. Amen. So do you have core values? Do you believe in tithing? Do you believe in raising your children a certain way? Do you believe in uh, being debt free? We are uh, figuring out if we have similar core values because I don't want to marry somebody just because they look good. But then therefore, when it comes to finances, when it comes to parenting, we don't have similar core values. Let me give you a revelation. Just because you're a Christian or just because they're a Christian doesn't mean that you're equally yoked. You may be equally yoked as it pertains to salvation, but you may not be yoked as it pertains to destiny. I'm going to say that again. You may be yoked as it pertains to salvation. Salvation is the prerequisite to get into heaven. But, but salvation alone is not enough for me to marry you. You need to be saved and we need to have similar core values. Can I get an amen? amen. So it, it, at this stage... You need to have, uh, see, let me, let me say it this way. When you have core values, what, what happens is the family unit has an identity. 
See, my core values with Stacy produces an identity. We are a generous family. We are a, 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 a serving family. We are a church-going family. So when my kids are raised in our core values, they are getting identities that come from God and not from the world. Because marriage is not just about me and her. Marriage is about what we produce to go forth into the world. Because if you are a single person in here and you want to change the world, you change the world by first being a successful single. Because as a single, you now will attract a successful potential person. And from being single to dating to now married, now you have a successful marriage. And when you have a successful marriage, a healthy marriage, guess what? Now you'll have some healthy kids. And now those kids go into society and they affect the world. But if I am a trifling single and marry a trifling person, then I'm going to have some trifling kids and they're going to be trifling in the world. I know y'all don't like that term. (laughs) But when we share core values, we share values that give us a family identity, which is super important. That identity is important. And this identity should be moving you closer to Christ because uh, your, your marriage doesn't go into eternity. But what you learn from your marriage does go into eternity. Ooh, Jesus. My, what, what do I learn in marriage? I learn selflessness. I learn how to be more like Christ. Marriage is an illustration between Christ and his church. I learn different principles that I would have not learned on my own in the, in the covenant of marriage. So there's things that I learn in marriage that I take to heaven with me, but the marriage itself I don't take to heaven with me. Because I don't need a marriage in heaven because now I become married to Christ as the church. He's the groom. We the bride, right? So he gives me a training course on earth to know how to be married to him in heaven. Oh, Jesus, I'm preaching up in here. (laughs) So the next phase is destiny phase. This is important because in the destiny phase, once you establish the spiritual connection, the soul connection, the character connection. Thank you. Give it up for my baby. Come on. Once you establish all these connections, you now move from the friendship to the dating to the exclusive dating. And once you identify that this person has destiny with you, now you can go into the engagement stage. See, in the destiny stage, I need to make sure that our life is going in the same direction. I don't know how to say it better, but this, right? So if, if I'm in Sacramento and I'm trying to get to Canada and there's a layover in Seattle, right? And then there's a person in Canada trying to get to L.A. and their layover is in Seattle. We are not supposed to progress in life. We don't make a long-term commitment in a layover moment. We might have met in Seattle, but our lives are going in two different directions, And that's what happens. You meet somebody in a broken season. You meet somebody in a hurt season. You meet somebody in a lonely season. That was a layover season, but God had a different chart. God had a different course for you, and you made a long-term decision in a layover moment. Oh, that's a word for somebody. So we need to make sure that our lives are rhythming in the same direction. We have purpose. I knew Stacy and our lives were going in the same direction because I told her that I felt called to be a pastor. She said she felt called to be a pastor's wife. We had different things. I told her that I want to go to Calvary Christian Center. She said, that's the church that I want to be at. I said, hey, this is who I'm choosing to be my spiritual father. This, we had a lot of 
different things that was rhythming, rhythming us in the same direction. Now, did we have disagreements? Yes. Did we agree on everything? Uh, no. But those disagreements and the things that we didn't agree on everything weren't deal breakers. And that's a whole nother teaching on non-negotiables and deal breakers. But what I'm trying to say, we were established in the core values and we had a rhythm with each other. Can somebody say amen? amen. Now, the world often looks for compatibility. But as Christians, we should be looking for suitability. See, compatibility is about chemistry and, 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 and company, but suitability is about character, calling, and covering. Somebody need to hear that again. Compatibility is more about chemistry, which is important, and, and, and company. But when you, are, when you find somebody suitable for you, it is someone who is called. They have a calling. They can cover you in prayer. They can cover you with a word. They can cover you well. Can I get an amen? And I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. So suitability is extremely important because once we establish these four areas, the next and final step is covenant. See, this is when sex get introduced to the relationship. See, if you do all these stages and you don't have sex in these stages, what happens is if you find out in the stage one or stage two or stage three or stage four, they're not the one, it doesn't rock you for three years to where you're living in depression. It may rock you for a month, but then you're like, you know what? The, my world didn't start with them and my world for sure ain't going to end with them because you didn't activate Different things that was only supposed to be in covenant. When you have sex, you are activating certain chemicals, endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, vesipressin, oxytocin. These are chemicals that were supposed to bind you for a lifetime. So when you introduce the principle, you introduce the gift of sex before there is a covenant, what, what, what was supposed to warm the house down burns the house down. Passion needs parameters. Romance needs responsibility. Covenant needs commitments. I'm going to say that again. Passion needs parameters. Romance needs responsibility. And covenant needs commitment. I shouldn't be introducing something like sex into the relationship before there's a covenant. Because what should keep a house warm, when you introduce it prematurely, it will burn your life down. You'll make a decision with someone that's unhealthy. You'll make a decision, a lifelong decision with someone you should not be with. And I'm not coming from me. I'm not speaking to you as someone who had it all together. My journey to becoming whole was a hard one. I lost my virginity at 13 or 14 because I grew up in a very misogynistic culture that told me my masculinity was defined by my economic status, my sexual conquests, and my popularity. And although I had sex at a very young age, and I started a, a life of promiscuity. All it did was uh, build insecurities inside of me because I outsourced to sex and different things to, to, to feed or fulfill the things of me being lonely. That, that, that connection that I was really longing for with God, I tried to put a Band-Aid on it with sex. And God had to sit me down for a few seasons. 24 years old. And I made so many bad decisions, and I just told God, you know what? The next woman that I'm going to have sex with is going to be my wife. It's going to be my spouse. I'm tired of, 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 of bonding and breaking, bonding and breaking, bonding and breaking. Because every time I bonded and broke, 
the relationship of a piece of me went with them. And I took a piece of them with me. So God had to do some healing inside of me. There was about two to three year time span where the Lord began to undo soul ties that I connected myself to. What is a soul tie? There are legitimate soul ties and there are illegitimate soul ties. I have a soul tie with my wife. That is a legitimate one. I have a soul tie with my mother, with my kids. These are family soul ties that are legitimate, but there are also soul ties that you have with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a friend that is not legitimate. You gave pieces of your body, your spirit, and your soul to a person that was not committed to you. And I believe in order for you to build a house upon the rock, God has to shake up that foundation and give you a more sturdy one. God has to heal you of all those issues, all those experiences that are plaguing your imagination, plaguing your decision, plaguing the way you are choosing to get into relationships. He has to unwind those things so that he can put you back together. That's why he's called the potter, because the potter, he can take broken pieces and make it whole. It's amazing what God can do when you give him your broken pieces. And I believe some of you in here. You might have some broken pieces that you've learned to live with. You might have some pieces that you've given to other people that you've just masqueraded and covered it up with makeup, covered it up with fashion, covered it up with all other things. And I believe the Lord wants to set you free. He wants to free you from those things that are keeping you bound. But before he can free you from something that keeps you bound, he has to free you from fear. The Bible says to fear man is a trap. When you don't own that, hey, I need help, which is one of the most spiritual things you could do, is simply acknowledge that you need help. Guess what? You get trapped when you don't know how to say help. You get trapped in your secrets. You get trapped in the abuse. You get trapped in your brokenness because it was a, oh, Jesus, it was a person that hurt you. It was a relationship that hurt you, but it's going to be a relationship that heals you. It may not be a romantic relationship. It may be a community relationship. It may be a spiritual mother or father relationship. But when God wants to advance your life, he does it through relationships. Relationships are not neutral. They are either moving you forward to the kingdom or taking you backwards. In the same way, when Satan wants to mess up your life, he wants to introduce you to a relationship. So in the same way a relationship hurts you, it's going to be a relationship that heals you. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to a call. But after this call, you still got work to do. And that work is going to be getting connected to community, getting connected into a, a, a Bible, a church like this, if you're not already connected, or getting more plugged in. Because it's, it's in that process that God teaches you how to connect to non-romantic love so you can be prepared for a romantic relationship. So if you're in here... And you've been in a relationship where you know you gave parts of yourself, your mind, your body, your time, your energy to someone that the Lord never wanted you to give to. I'm speaking to you. I want to help break this soul tie off your life because until the soul tie is broken, your pain will become your God. Therefore, you will always have a limitation where your pain is. That situation that hasn't been healed will be a trigger and a trap. See, when you expose it to the light, God can heal it. But when you keep it in the dark, it becomes a trigger and a trap to where every time you get close to the finish line, that trigger and that trap hits you and you go backwards. 
You go back to your cave for comfort. You go back to default settings of choosing to do things the way the world or the way you used to do it. Could I propose to you that God wants to introduce you to a new rhythm? God wants to introduce you to a new way of relating to him. And I'm going to close real quickly. But when I think about introduction to a new rhythm, I think about Joseph. um, Or was it Isaac? Who was the one that wrestled with God? Jacob. (laughs) I need to read my Bible. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jacob wrestled with God. But in this wrestling match, he was wrestling against God at first but somewhere in this wrestling match he stopped wrestling against God and began to say God I'm going to surrender and stop fighting you and invite you into what you're doing into my life he stopped wrestling with God and he asked God to bless him now it's interesting because the angel of God touched his hip and hip represents your mobility it's how you walk right so if you got a bad hip you're going to walk with a limp But he touched his hip and still blessed him. But I asked the question, God, why didn't you heal him once you touched his hip? Because the Lord wanted him to learn a new rhythm. Can I propose to you that there's some scars and there's some wounds that he will heal? The memory may be there, but he'll heal it from the power of keeping you trapped and triggered. But it's also there as a memory to serve. Don't go back to that rhythm. Don't go back to that way of doing relationships. There is a new rhythm that God wants you to walk in. There is a new purpose, a new new plan, a new strategy that God wants you to walk in. So in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to do something very brave. And we're going to go into worship. If you are in here and you know there are some soul ties that needs to be broken in your life, I want you to stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Pastor Damien, that is me. There are some soul ties. There are some relationships that have kept me bound. There are some relationships that, that, that I am still thinking about that I need to be free from. If that is you in here, I want you to stand to your feet. Now, what I'm asking you to do is have courage. Because the fear of man is a trap. And if you're in here and you know there's some things in your life that you're still revisiting, there's, there's ways that you relate relationally that you still haven't been healed from, then it could be that there's a soul tie that needs to be broken off your life. If, if that is you, stand to your feet, and I'm not going to tarry here long. Thank you. Thank you. I break the spirit of fear right now in the name of Jesus. Stand, woman of God. Stand, man of God. Stand for your freedom. The Bible says when you acknowledge me, he will acknowledge you. And as we are sitting in this moment, if if that still applies to you, still stand. The next call that I want to make is, you know, you need a new rhythm. You've been wrestling with God too long. And now God is saying, now you're no longer, you don't want to wrestle with God. You want to be like Jacob and say, God, bless me. I need a new rhythm. I need a new path. I, I need to walk differently. I keep going in this cycle of defeat. I keep experiencing the same things over and over. I need a change. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. If you know you need a new rhythm in here, stand to your feet. Come on, stand to your feet, stand to your feet. This is for you. This is a divine moment for you. God wants to introduce you to a new rhythm. He wants to sever every soul tie. He wants you to be free so you can build a house upon the rock. You can build a house upon Jesus Christ. Now, those that are standing, if you are next to someone standing, just reach your hands or stretch your hands towards somebody. Put your hand on their shoulder. 
and just release your faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare by the blood of Jesus that every illegitimate soul tie that is formed on anyone that has responded to that call be broken right now in the name of Jesus. I break the spirit of rejection. I break self-esteem issues. I break inferiority complexes. I declare that that soul tie is broken off their mind, broken off their imagination, broken off their will, broken off their feelings, Lord. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Satan, get your hand off of them. We take a authority over you right now. I rebuke every mind-binding spirit tormenting or pressing or hurting or whatever it is. We sever it right now. We serve Satan notice and we declare that that soul tide is severed by the blood of Jesus, not by our performance, not by what we do, but by our faith in Jesus Christ. I declare right now we are no longer enemies of God. We are children of God. I declare that spirit of orphan be broken off of you right now yeah yeah I break that orphan spirit right now you are a daughter of God you are a son of God you belong to the father you he has a place for you in Jesus name we sever it right now and we're gonna stay in this moment we'll stay with stay right there and father I pray for every person that has identified that they need a new rhythm they've been wrestling with you wrestling against your way lord it's your promises your way we have to do it your way god i come against pride right now in the name of jesus father you said that sometimes we can trip up by the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes but the pride of life can trip us up as well i come against self-sufficiency and i call them to god dependency right now in the name of jesus god i pray and i declare that you will bring a new rhythm a new way of doing things lord you will introduce them to new relationships yeah i prophesied new wine over you right now in the name of jesus i come against that stale wine i come against that stale way of doing things I come against the old and I declare there's new things that are coming into your life right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I come before you as you said. We can come before your throne room of mercy and grace to obtain grace in the time of need. And you said whatever we ask, we can have as long as it lines up with your word. Lord, I pray right now against the enemy that will try to deceive them in making them think that their healing didn't happen. Their breakthrough didn't, it didn't happen, Lord. I expose that, that voice right now. A stranger's voice they will not follow. They would only follow the Father father's voice so i pray that every seed that was sown every word that was for the individual in here i pray that it is not on stony ground but it is on good grounds and it will produce 30 60 to some hundredfold return in jesus name now if you believe and you are in agreement with that prayer I want you on a count of three to give God a holy roar, a holy praise, and then we're going to go right into worship, and then Dan's going to come up on a count of three. One, two, three. Let's go. Bless his name. Hallelujah. Freedom. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to learn more and check out all of our awesome content, be sure to head to our website at moralrevolution.com and our socials, Instagram, Facebook, all of them. But before you leave, don't forget to like, review, subscribe, all of the things. We want you guys to come back and join us. We enjoyed having you. See you next time.